Hey, this is Keith. I'm the pastor of Blaze Church. Welcome to our podcast. I know today's message is going to inspire you, encourage you, and lead you to know God more. If you want to connect with us, visit us online at blazechurch.org. Enjoy today's message. Now, what I found in my life is oftentimes when I'm wounded, and this may be you, I think it is, but when I'm wounded, there are two things that I most desire when I'm wounded. I want explanation and I want vindication. I want explanation and I want vindication. I know those are $5 words, aren't they? Those are some big words. But here's what that means. When you're wounded, when I'm wounded, what we most desire is the reason why. That's the explanation. Anybody but just me? You chase that rabbit for a while? I want to know why this happened. I want to know who's to blame for this. Why did that person abuse me? Why did they neglect me? Why did they keep their word? We go on this quest for why, for why, explanation. And oftentimes with explanation comes vindication. Here's vindication. Oh, and by the way, I don't deserve this. I'm innocent. I I want to be vindicated. I want my name cleared of this. Explanation and vindication. So years ago, I, I, was, I was wounded in a, in a pretty big way. Don't worry, the walls will not fall. There's just things happening upstairs and downstairs. Today. You're like, what's going on? Bend down the hatches. <laughs> They're going to be rolling tables. You do know we're a portable church with a permanent vision, right? Can I just preach for a little bit? So we're here now, but we know God's called us to a permanent life-giving facility. And how many are so grateful for the Moose Lodge and their hospitality? I mean, two years to be gathering in this space. So if you hear something, don't duck and run. Stay in your seat for the whole ride. There it is again. But I, I remember when I was wounded years ago, And it was a wound that wasn't isolated to one aspect of of my being. You know, you're way more integrated than you are segregated. Your relational life, your work life, your emotions, all of it makes us who we are. And I remember a wound came and it was was messy. It involved the church. It involved employment. It involved relationships. And ended up involving a tattoo because that's how I responded to that little moment. That was supposed to be funny, but it's okay. You don't have to laugh. I'm being serious. That's where this came from a couple years ago. I won't rebel. So I I remember the wound and I can remember desiring so much explanation and vindication. I want to know why this is happening and I want everyone to know I don't deserve this wound. And there's been many wounds since that moment, but I'm not about to share them all with a group of strangers, all right? So I'll share with my small group on Wednesday. You got to get in a small group. But you have those wounds. I have those wounds. And we often want explanation and vindication. Now, here's the hope of the believer, because the whole point of the series is you should put your faith in Jesus because you will be wounded, but how you deal with the wounds is so different. Oh, there's, there's just a beauty and invitation that you and I are invited into. So here's where we're going today. The follower of Christ does not have to chase explanation and vindication any longer. And I want to show you that on this journey. So we're going to look at a man named Job. How many have heard of Job before? Raise your hand if you've heard of Job. Job is kind of common, kind of familiar. Even if you're new to church, maybe you've heard of this person, Job. He's read in colleges and, and secular materials. This person that was the innocent suffering servant, didn't deserve what he went through, but went through a whole lot. How many would say you could relate to Job when it comes to some of that? Come on, your life has looked like that, right? It's a wound. So let's talk about Job for a moment. Job chapter one, right at the beginning. There was a man in the land of Uz. First couple times I read it, I read Oz and I was like, Dorothy, where are you at? (laughs) The land of Oz, the land of Uz, whose name was Job. And that man was, say the words with me, blameless and upright, 
one who feared God and turned away from evil. Blameless, upright, feared God, turned away from evil. Now, what we're getting a picture of right at the start is this man, Job, we would say it this way, that Job knew God. He really knew him. You know, we have a vision here at Blaze Church. We want to blaze the way, blaze the trail for people. What's the first thing? To what? To know God. To know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. How do we know that Job knew God? Well, he didn't just know things about God. He knew God by the way he lived his life. When evil was here, he turned away from it. Someone couldn't pull up his email history or check his DMs and say, well, I know who you really are. No, no, I'm blameless and upright. I'm a man of integrity. We're not seeing perfection, but we're seeing one. And this should inspire, it should inspire and invite you to this, to be one who could say, I know God and I've surrendered my life to him. Doesn't say Job was perfect. Doesn't say he always got it right, but he turned away from evil. He turned towards the Lord. Now we look at someone like that and we would think, well, surely the blessings will flow. If I, if I live this life, then I, I should be free of the wound. But what we read next is that Job was wounded in a very dramatic way. Tragic. We read that Job lost his entire livestock. That's his finances. That's his portfolio for modern language. He lost it all. He lost his servants, which was not so much slavery as it was, this is who's helping him. They're building something together. They're working the land. So he lost his job. He lost his finances. And then tragedy strikes when his seven sons and three daughters are feasting in a house and the wind comes and the house is destroyed with his children in it. He loses his children. Can you relate to this moment? A loss of job, a loss of finances, a loss of child. Come on, some of you, this is where you are. This is where you are today. You're saying this, this is the wound. You've, you've lost children either relationally or physically. You've lost job. You've lost finance. You, you've lost, you've been wounded and it hurts so much to talk about it. And that's why you have to go back to the last week because that's not who you are. You, you're not, you're not going to carry a victim mentality in Jesus' name. You say, I'm a child of God and I've got some wounds, but we chase the mystery. We say, why? I want answers. And so Job responds in this. And here's what we read, Job 1.20. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground. And what's the word? Say it with me. He what? Say it, say it again a little louder. And he, he worshiped. He worshiped. And what's he doing first? It's Jewish Jewish worship. He's tearing his robes. He's shaving his head. He's sitting in dust and ashes. But his act and response is worship. He worships God in the midst of this. And here's his worship. Here's his song. He says in the next verse, and he said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What a worship song. There's a, there's a self-awareness of who he is and who God is that propels him to say, he gave, he took away, blessed be his name. And I, I just gotta be honest with you guys, because if you're looking for a pastor that's got it all together, I'm in process. And I, I don't know, on a day like this, could you really say that you could at the end of that day say, I'm gonna worship the Lord in my own self, never, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, Yes. It's where we find ourselves. It's where we find ourselves. Because we don't want to look at this and say, oh, Job is great and I'm not. No, no, we're just looking at a person who, what's, what's our starting point? He knew God. I'll say this to you, okay? If you don't know God this morning, the rest of this message will not make any sense. But that's okay. 
because you're invited to know God. How many are grateful that we're all invited to know God, that God sent his son to this world that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting. You're invited to know him today. So lean into this God. Lean into the one who came to know you, to meet you where you are. So Job says, here's my song. Let's say the song to this. Say he gives, he takes away, bless his name. He gives, he takes away, bless his name. And then we get this. Verse 22, in all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. In this moment, he doesn't blame God. He doesn't charge him with wrong. He doesn't sin. Now, this is chapter one and there's over 40 chapters. So how many know there's more to the story? (laughs) We're gonna read a little bit. Because after Job is wounded in this way, loss of job, loss of finance, loss of relationship, loss of children, the wound then comes to his own body. Job is wounded. He's, he's covered with boils, the text says, from head to toe. Now, I don't know how you guys handle pain, but when I get a mosquito bite, I turn into a, an infant. So itchy. So I tell him, I'm so itchy. Get the calamine lotion. I'm going to douse my whole body. doesn't matter where it is. It's going to cover this. He's covered in boils from head to toe. Boil, covered, his body. In fact, the text tells us that he sits in dust and dirt. He just sits there scraping himself with pottery. It's a, it's a man who's broken. He's wounded. He's been wounded. And remember, there's another person involved in this. It's his wife. She too has seen the loss and the wound and her children passed and they lost everything. And now she's looking at her husband who's covered in boils and hears her words. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God and die. And before we blame his wife for being less than, I'm pretty sure we could all find ourselves in that moment saying, oh, how hard it is to hold on to my integrity and my faith in the Lord right now. And you may even have some good people in your life that are saying, why are you still going to church after what you've been through? Some of you have been through such tremendous hurt when it comes to the church manipulated by leadership and you're here this morning. And can I just say that's a testament of God's grace in your life? My goodness, you're still going. Some of you, you've been diagnosed with the disease that says it's not gonna end for you well. And you're still here and you're still going. That's the grace of God. Some of you have been praying for your spouse, praying for your children from wounds that have been accrued and you're still here. That's the grace of God. You're still holding fast to your integrity. She says, what are you doing, Job? But he said to her, verse 10, but he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Now men, I don't advise this line. (laughs) Just let her speak. Don't call her a fool. But Job does. Job says, you speak like a fool. And here's, here's why. Here's his understanding. Here's what he believes. Should we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Job is giving us a picture of what he believes at this point in the wound process, in the healing process. God gives, God takes, bless his name. We receive good, we receive evil. Per the perspective of Job, How many times I've thought this was good and this was bad and it's my limited perspective and definition. So Job's saying we get good, we get bad. 
But in all this, in all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He maintains his integrity. We're starting the story because there should be a leaning in our hearts to know what did Job know that caused him to worship, to maintain integrity, and we're going to see it. Now, what happens next is Job has three, three friends show up, and they hear about his suffering, and they show up, and they see how broken he is, and all they can do is just be in silence with him. Look, look at the text. It says, And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him. They saw that his suffering was very great. How great his suffering was that for a week there were no words exchanged. There was just presence. Do you have some people in your life who you can share the wound that you have and they can simply just listen? Just be. Just know now how to pray with you, but offer no explanation and you don't have to come to a defense for your vindication. I encourage you to be in a small group because you will find people like that that you can be with, that can walk with you through the wound. Job's friends are quiet for a week. John Maxwell writes in his commentary on this, oh, but they didn't stay quiet. (laughs) Because chapters 3 through 27, 24 chapters are the friends and Job having dialogue around the two things that we most want when we're wounded, explanation and vindication. The three friends in all of their brilliance try to offer Job the reason why this has happened. Here's why you're suffering. Here's why you lost your children. Here's why you lost your finances. Here's why, here's why. They offer him explanation and the whole time Job is defending his vindication. He's just saying, I'm innocent. Telling you I haven't done anything wrong. And here's the basis of their conversation. Don't worry, you'll be home in time for lunch. We're not going to read all 24 chapters. Here's the summary. Job's friends say, Job, you must have sinned. And this is why this is happening. And Job's response is this. Guys, I didn't sin. I don't deserve this. And they go back and forth and back and forth because they have a worldview. Here's the worldview they have. I'm going to share it with you. And many of us find ourselves here, which is why it's important for us to talk about it. Here's the first part of what they believe. God is just and good, which is two accurate statements about the Lord. He is just, which is a beautiful quality that our God has. It means that wrong will be avenged that one day in the resurrection that we look forward to, all the sad things will come untrue, all the evil will cease, and God will deal with the presence of sin. We've talked of this so many times before. Jesus has paid the price for our sin. He's paid the payment for the penalty. He's broken the power in our lives through the Holy Spirit, but the presence of sin remains until the resurrection when he comes, because he's just, he's got it, and he's good. How many are grateful that when we sing songs, we sing, you're a good, good father, not you're a questionable father. That would be a worship song. You're a questionable father. It's who you are. (laughs) No, no, you're a good father. (laughs) You're good. It's who you, you're good. So they they start there, which is great, but then they, they interject their belief. Their, let me say it this way, their limited knowledge into a belief system. Because here's what we see next in their conversation. The moral universe, the moral universe, what is right, what is wrong. The moral universe runs by the retribution principle. The moral universe runs by the retribution principle. 
So what they're saying is, okay, if God is good and just, there's a moral universe at play. We all understand this, yes? There's right, there's wrong. And the way right and wrong is handled is by what we will call today the retribution principle. Now, what is that? It's simply this, that God has ordered the world so that good deeds are rewarded and evil deeds are punished. You've heard this before. Some of you, this is exactly how your life was shaped. I would even say some of you, this is still shaping your life, and that's why you're in church today. I remember I had a friend one time, and this was his phrase. I always laughed when he said it. He said, Pastor PK, who called me, PK, I got to go to church more because I need some of that good juju in my life. I'm like, bro, I don't think it works that way. <laughs> What's juju, by the way? It's this belief we have, well, if I do a good deed, that'll be rewarded and evil deeds are punished. We can so easily lean in that direction. So what does that mean for Job and his friends? Well, here's, here's the if-then statements. Remember conditionals in school? I know it's a scary place. Let's go back there for a minute. If you are wounded, Job, then you've sinned because God rewards the good but punishes the evil. And so your wound is evidence that you've done something wrong. And this is how you process that. When something happens in your life that is a wound, what is one of the first things you start thinking? What did I do? What's the word? Wrong. What did I do wrong that my kids are living this way? What did I do wrong to be betrayed? What did I do? I should have known the abuse was coming. I should have, I should have seen it. I should have gotten away. I'm reading the book right now that we recommended last week, The Healing Path which you can find on our website, blazechurch.org slash wounds. And in it, the author is writing about sexual abuse and how so often those who have been sexually abused deal with this specific thought of, I should have known better. I should have gotten away from him, from her. We process things that way. Why? Because we're always desperate for an explanation. And what Job and his friends do is they offer, watch this, a simplified explanation to a very complicated universe. They simplify it. They just say, well, the bad things happen to the bad people. And so Job, you must have done something wrong. And they simplify, why? Because when we don't understand something, the way we can cope with it is to make it easier to understand. Yeah? How many of you have tried to help their kids with their math homework when they're in fourth grade? And you're like, yeah, listen, take out the calculator real quick. In my day, two plus two equaled four, and I didn't have to show my work, right? We, we try to simplify things when we don't understand it because wrapping our head around mystery is terrifying. How many of you are so secure that you could say, I don't know, and keep moving through the healing process of your wound? That's, that's heavy. Because we chase explanation. We chase vindication. And here it is that Job is chasing it. And he gets to the point where he says, you know what? I want God to show up. God, if you're real, I demand an answer. He calls God to the carpet. And here's the beauty. God shows up. He shows up, but he doesn't give Job the answer that he desires. He gives him something better. Here's what we read in Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke out of the storm. Now that's important for us to realize. The Lord is speaking, and what is he speaking out of? What's, what's it say? Say it. Storm. The storm. Well, he speaks out of the storm. So it's not that this quiet whisper comes as the whisper came to Elijah. 
It's not that a, a man figure comes. It's not a, a fire. We see God appear all throughout Scripture in various ways. But for Job, it is a storm. And the Hebrew word that's used here is this ain't no soft storm. This isn't a quiet storm. This is a storm that makes you wonder, am I going to die today? This is a storm. And it's the Lord who speaks out of it. So what does he have to say? Here's God's opening statement. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Words without knowledge. What a heavy statement. How often we speak words without knowing the whole picture. Because we simplify the situation and we chase an explanation and desire vindication. So we begin speaking without knowledge. And then God says this. This is kind of terrifying. Brace yourself like a man. Now, if I'm Job, bracing myself like a man means I drop to the ground, go to the fetal position and start crying. That's the manliest you will see me in front of you, stormy God. Brace yourself like a man and you shall answer me. There's some observations that are so worth noting in this moment when God first appears. Notice, as I've said, the text tells us he appears as a storm. And yet, he is speaking in an understandable way. And Job is not consumed by the storm. How many would think that if God were to show up in all of his glory, in his stormy majesty, we'll use this word, in his holiness, would we not deserve to be consumed by that storm? Here is a holy God. In fact, Job was worried that if God were to ever show up as a storm, he would be crushed. He tells us this and tells his friends when he's telling them, I want God to show up. He immediately says this in chapter nine, verse 17, but he would crush me with a storm and multiply my wounds for no reason. Have you, have you done this before? I know I have where you desire something, but you're not sure that you desire it. They're like, you put your hopes into something and then you have mixed feelings around it. It's called ambivalence. It's the quality where we say, this will fix me, but then it doesn't fix me. Or I want this, but I also want this at the same time. So Job says, I want God to show up, but if he shows up, I'm probably going to die. And God shows up and Job doesn't die. Why? This is, this is so, this is cool. The word that's used for the Lord in Job 38 is the Hebrew word Yahweh. And that is the personal covenant name of God, Yahweh. We sang it this morning, Jireh. That's how it's translated over for us. It's the personal covenant name of God, Yahweh, Jireh, the one who provides, the God who's near enough because he loves us. He loves us, Jehovah, right? All throughout the discourse, between chapters 3 and 27, the friends use the general Hebrew word for God, Elohim. So the author could have simply wrote in chapter 38, Elohim shows up in a storm, but he doesn't. He uses the personal covenant name Yahweh. Why does that matter? At the same time that Job experiences the holiness of God, he experiences the personal love of God. And that is how and why Job is not consumed. And that is why you and I are not consumed in the presence of a holy God. 
because he shows up in his love that is abounding and his holiness that is so strong and majestic. You and I need a God who is both holy and loving. To have one without the other is not to have God and who he is. He is holy. He is loving. And he asks Job, what was the question we read? Who is this that, in, that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? In other words, who's doing a lot of talking, but you're really not thinking about it? You've got a lot to say, but you don't have any knowledge around what you're saying. You are, what did we say? You are simplifying the matter so that you can understand it. But the truth is, you don't know as much as you think you know, Job. And do you know it's terrifying for us when it comes to the wound? The wound itself, but also the mystery around the wound. How secure we would have to be to simply say, maybe I don't know why this happened or is happening in my life. But here's, here's where the believer is invited. If you know Christ today, here's the invitation. We can embrace the mystery of the wound. So what did we discover last week? We can embrace the wound itself because it has no power to name us. God has ransomed us. We're called his child. And at the same time, I'm so proud of so many of you. You started on the journey this week of going back to go forward, of starting to think about the wound, of starting to say, you know what? No, I have been wounded. There's a wound in my life. You've, you've done that work, but now what wells up next in us is this desire for, okay, through the healing process, I need to know why. I need to know why that person lied. I need to know why there was a betrayal. I need to know why there was an abuse. And here's, here's the beauty. You can actually embrace the mystery of the wound, meaning how free would it be for you to leave today to say, you know what? I may never know why. I may never know why. And yet I can have peace in God. So this is the path Job is on. And God says this, he starts questioning him, right? He says, I'll question you. So he says, where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? And he talks to Job about the stars and the mountain goats and the lions and the deer and their eating patterns and how deer are born. All of these details that are vast in the galaxies and minuscule on the mountains. And what is God trying to tell Job? It's what, Job, it's what you and I need to hear today. You, the little feet, they're so cute, aren't they? They're going back into their class. <laughs> I went to the bathroom, going back to class. He's trying to tell Job what you and I know need to know. We're limited. Could you say that as a declaration? This Just say, I'm limited. Come on, it took a lot to actually say that for some of us. That's a shot at our pride. I'm limited. I don't know as much as I think I know. Listen, here's what I know. When I show up on Sunday, I put this thing on, I push the button, and it makes it so my voice comes out of those speakers. I have no idea how it works. I don't know what's happening in the airwaves. I get into my car, I put the key in. I have no idea what happens. The only person who knows what happens is Petey. Petey knows how a car works. He knows, he knows how engines work. I just, vroom, vroom, it's working. Didn't start, I need gas. It's not working. We don't know as much as we think we know about things. Now take that cars and audio equipment and expand it as to why you were betrayed by someone who said I do and they didn't why your children are living the way they are, why you got diagnosed with cancer, why the person died at such an early age. 
and we search for explanation and we desire vindication more than anything. And oftentimes it becomes an obstacle for us knowing the God who knows. Here's the truth. This should bring comfort to us. You may not know, but God knows. God knows. Like, I've got so many things that I'm trying to figure out. What if on some of these wounds I could rest in knowing God knows? Isn't that freedom? God, you know what's been done to me. You know the pain. You know why I'm going to trust you. Job is never told why he experiences the wound he experiences. God never tells him. And you know what's interesting about that? You and I actually do know as the readers. We didn't read it, but in Job 1 and 2, we read that there was a moment where the adversary approaches God and says, I want to take a shot at your servant Job. I think the reason why he's so blameless and upright is because you've blessed him. Let me take everything away and see if he doesn't curse you to your face. And God says, go ahead, do it. Like, we actually know why Job went through what he went through, and God clearly knows why, and God never tells Job in the discourse at the end of the book. So here's, here's how I would say it to us this morning. Job didn't get chapters one and two, and sometimes neither do we. And that frustrates the mess out of you, doesn't it? But I, want, I need to know why. If you need something, can't you trust your father to meet your need? There are things my kids want to know, and I just tell them, you don't need to know this. Yeah. You don't have to go back to Lucky Charms and video games, man. Your life is great. You don't need to know this right now. But we have this leaning and this desire. And I was talking about me, by the way. I'm the Lucky Charms in video. Amy says that to me. <laughs> I love Lucky Charms so much. You know they make mini Lucky Charms now? Yeah, they shrunk it. You could eat more. <laughs> more crunch. Sometimes we just don't, Sometimes we don't get to know. But here's the hope of the believer. I hope this is just encouraging you. Because you know God, you can trust in his plan. You can trust that he knows. So here's what Job asked. It's, uh, what God asked Job, it's a really big question. Job 40, verse 8. Would you discredit my justice? Would you condemn me to justify yourself? Because after all, what does Job most want? Vindication. He's saying, I don't deserve this. I shouldn't have gone through this wound. He wants to be vindicated. And God says, well, if you want to be vindicated and you want to be declared innocent, then you want me to be held guilty for your wound. Is that what you want? And the answer to Job comes as no, that's not what you'll get. But watch this. The answer to you and I, this side of the cross is yes. That's exactly what we get. How Jesus was condemned so that you and I might be justified of our sins. The cross is a picture of God speaking, I love you, through the storm. It is his holiness, sin is dealt with on the cross, and in his love, saying, you don't pay the price for your sins, my son does. This is a picture of what will happen when Jesus takes our place. And on the cross, Jesus says words that you and I never have to say. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of Jesus, you and I will never be forsaken. It is why before he ascends, his last words are, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. So here's the truth in your wound. God knows and God is near. He's near to 
you. Your wound has not pushed him away. He is still close. He is still close. He's near to you. And Job is experiencing these truths and he responds. Here's Job's response. Our worship team is going to join me on stage as we prepare to respond. Job says, Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Notice, now he's starting to realize, I wanted the purpose. I wanted the meaning. I wanted the reason. But it's your purpose, God. And your purpose can't be thwarted. It can't be changed or stopped. You asked, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? And look at his confession. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. At first, God says, who speaks of things that they don't understand? Who has words without knowledge? And now Job, after hearing the Lord and seeing the Lord, says, I did. I believe that today as we leave this place, some of us, we're going to get in our cars and we're simply going to say to the Lord, I've been speaking of things I don't understand. Forgive me. I know you're God. I'm wounded. I'm angry. I'm broken. I'm confused. And I'm invited to know you and know your nearness. He goes on. You said... God, here's what you said. Listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. So now Job is going to give the answer. What will his answer be? After all, now he's had this moment with God, this encounter. Now he gets to answer and here's his answer. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Do you know that This Sunday, our leadership team has been praying that every person who would hear this message today, be in this space online or here, that you would have a moment where you would say like Job, I heard of you, but now I've seen you. I knew about you, but now I know you. My eyes have seen that I'm limited and that you're all knowing. So he responds, verse six, therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. He's saying, I I despise the fact that my ways cause me to doubt who you are and your power. I despise it. I, I don't want that anymore. So he repents. And the word repent means to turn from and to turn towards. It's why so many of you have repented. And scripture says, repent and be, what's the word? Baptized. When we turn from our sin and turn towards the Lord, we are baptized as an outward display of what's taken place inside of us. And Job says, I will repent in dust and ashes. In other words, I will take the low seat. I will humble myself. I will surrender. And what is he repenting of? What you and I are about to repent of. Collectively as a church, we will ask the Lord to forgive us for the moments where we think we know more than him. And I am right here with you about to repent. There are things and moments where I assert my knowledge over the infinite knowledge of a holy and loving God. And this morning, I want to declare with you, Lord, I come and I confess, bowing here, I find my rest. For without you, I fall apart. You're the one who guides my heart. 
We're gonna sing out, Lord, I need you as our response time today. And as we sing, you may wanna stand, you may wanna stay seated, you may wanna open your hands, you may wanna raise them, you may wanna sing out, you may wanna be in silence. But for all of us, may we repent for the moments where we think we know and God's saying, my child, my daughter, my son, I know, I know, come to me, I am near. God, this morning's message, it puts something in us because what we most desire is answers and reasons and purpose. You know who we most need is your son, Jesus. If we're being honest, that's hard for many of us. We know that your love is abounding, that your grace is good, that your mercies are new. And I pray for those in this space that are struggling so hard with releasing control around the wound that have been up late just trying to figure out, but why, but why, but why? And may that turn into times of prayer and trust and worship to say like Job, you give, you take away, bless your name. We can trust in your goodness. We can trust that you are for us and not against us. We can trust that Jesus cried out on our behalf, why have you forsaken me? So that we never have to say those words. You know us. You are near. And we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.